to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, I'm Greg Stetz and I'm really happy to welcome all of you to this week's episode of the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. Today we're going to cover a topic that we haven't really discussed before and to be honest with you, it's a topic that doesn't really get the attention that it deserves because it's very often that when we talk about Belt and Road initiative we take national level perspective. But you can go deeper, you can dive deeper. And that's what we're going to try to do today. Because we're going to talk about the role of local governments within the Belt and Road framework. And to give you a real-life story behind it and illustrate it, we're going to talk about a very interesting Belt and Road hub located in Poland in a city called Łódź. That's why with me is Dominik Mierzejewski, head of Center for Asian Affairs, a university-based think tank, a professor in the Department of Asian Studies at the University of Łódź, and a member of Asia-Pacific Council, the advisory body for Polish Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Professor Mierzejewski researches China-Central and Eastern European relations, and he also pioneers research on the role of the local governments within the China's Belt and Road Initiative. Hello, Dominik. It is great to have you with us on the show. Well, Greg, thank you for having me here. The pleasure is all mine. Please tell us a bit about your background and connection to China, and also about the research that you are conducting. Well, I started my trip to China in 1999 when I was granted the scholarship by Polish and Chinese government. I started my um, Chinese courses, Chinese classes at the University of Łódź in 1997-1998 and I was really fascinating by the language that is very complex, very difficult, not even to speak but to have a proper understanding of what's going on behind the language. Then I finished my uh, master and my PhD thesis. Finally, I, I did a book on uh, the language of Chinese diplomacy under Deng Xiaoping. Well, currently, I'm working on the part of diplomacy of the rule of local governments in China's Belt and Road. This is a very important subject because on the one hand, the central government is, is giving a directions and then local authorities with own state-owned enterprises, with own local businesses need to execute and need to fulfill quotas given by the central government. So from this perspective, my research is about the rule of local authorities under Belt and Road. And then the final issue of my personal involvement in the process of building relationship between China and Poland. The Center for Asian Affairs is a university-based think tank strictly dedicated for building a knowledge-based relations. What I mean by this is that we'd like 
and we, we, we are providing a real picture of China to the Polish authorities, especially at the local level. Thanks. And the local level is exactly what we want to focus on today. So to kick it up with a case study, the city where you work and live, Łódź, plays an interesting role within the Belt and Road Initiative. Can you introduce your city to us? Uh, first of all, let me uh, introduce Łódź, Lotz, as a city in the center of Poland, the logistic hub, with quite a big number of investments from Germany, Italy, mainly in wide industry and BPO services. Then when it comes to Bell and Road, I would argue that everything when it comes to Sino-Polish cooperation at the local level started before Bell and Road. This was honestly a private company initiative who just answered to the needs of Dell and Foxconn. Dell is located in Łódź and uh, Foxconn is located in Western China. And it was a similar story to Chongqing Duisburg rail connection. And this cooperation was stimulated by local people. It started in January 2013, so nine months before Belt and Road was announced by Xi Jinping in Astana. Then, of course, Wuj, with its logistic hub, became part of Belt and Road. But as I mentioned, it was driven by the local people, by local business people, by a local logistic company named Hatrans. Then it was embedded into Belt and Road. During the period after Belt and Road was announced, local government of Wuj and Lotsky region opened a, an office in Chengdu. And then local government of Citroen province opened an office in our city in Wuj. Then what is very interesting and very important, the central government followed the step taken by private business company and the local governments. And finally, in 2015, in June, the Consulate General of the Republic of Poland was opened in Chengdu. Okay, so what was the real motivation of the two sides, of the local governments of Wuj and Chengdu? Why didn't the cooperation just stop after the needs of Dell and Foxconn were fulfilled, but the local governments decided to pursue it further? As I mentioned, the cooperation has been stimulated by private business people, and then they followed. They opened a showroom of Lotsky region products in Chengdu. They signed MOU and agreements with e-commerce platforms in China, and they tried to export more Polish goods of very good quality to China, to Western China. To a certain extent, uh, this cooperation also answered to the aspirations of Chengdu. We all know that Chengdu tried to be a logistic hub and tried to be an international link to the rest of China. So from this perspective, both cities met their own aspirations. Lots hopes to be the hub for Europe. And then Chengdu tried to be the logistic hub for the whole China, all across Yangtze River economic belt from the Western China via Chongqing, then Wuhan to Shanghai. Which is sometimes called one of the Belt and Road hubs. What does it really mean to be a Belt and Road hub? And what are the opportunities and challenges related to being one? We have a lot of hubs in Europe. And China, I think, when it comes to the real cooperation with Europe, needs all so-called BRI hubs in Łódź, in Milan, in Duisburg, in Madrid. Because as you probably might know, China can send to Europe 10 million containers per year. So China tried to diversify its routes to Europe, and that's why Inland Road through 
Kazakhstan, Russia, Belarus, it's so important for China's Western development. What we think is the future of global economy is the e-commerce development. So that is why it's very important to have all these connections, uh, train connections, uh, air cargo, shipment, etc., due to the growing importance of e-commerce. And here we come to the conclusion. When Belt and Road was announced in 2013, both sides, Citroen and Wood, announced that tried to be a logistic hub uh, for Europe and for China. So from this perspective, uh, both sides meet their own aspiration and try to work together to build a better future for themselves. But of course, this cooperation is not free from challenges. Uh, the first point here sh that should be addressed is asymmetry. Of course, it's quite normal. China is, is huge. China has a population of 1.3 billion people. Poland has less than 40 million people. We need to use EU-China platform to talk to Chinese counterparts. From my perspective and my own research, the biggest challenge when it comes to local-to-local -local relations is local protectionism from the Chinese side. As you know, all trains are subsidized by the local governments. Sometimes these China-Europe cargo trains are, are subsidized for more than 50%. Definitely, this is not fair. And we need to use the EU channel to talk to Chinese counterparts to limit and to reduce subsidies because it doesn't work for our mutual cooperation. Okay, so what have been the benefits so far for the city of Wuj? Can you give us concrete examples? The first important issue here is that the city that was not recognized in China at the moment is the second most recognized city from Poland in China, just after Warsaw. If you go to any newspaper, starting from People's Daily, going to a weekly magazine, Caixin or Caixin, you will find that Łódź, not even a very famous Krakow and other cities that has a very long uh, history, are recognized in China. So this is the first success, I would say. Then the problem and the issue here is how to translate being recognized in China into the very practical, very business-minded operation. That's an issue. However, recognition in China translate into one important issue. The University of Łódź has the biggest number of Chinese students in Poland. So this is the first. The second, and I will tell you my personal experiences. Since 2016, so two years ago, we started the project of summer school for Chinese universities. Understanding Poland. This project is sponsored by my unit, Center for Asian Affairs. In March 2016, we sent an information to our Chinese partners. And immediately we realized that one university from China can send approximately 100 students. So from my perspective, it was a big surprise. Of course, we answered, well, we welcome all students from your university. And we will cope with a huge challenge of having approximately 200 students per summer school in our city. And the summer school turned into quite huge success with uh, 180 students from all across China. Two years ago, we had 400 applications. 
So can you imagine that the single summer school called Understanding Poland might attract approximately 600 students in mainland China? This is incredible. And what about businesses? Have they benefited? Well, this is kind of a platform for promoting local products. Starting from milk, that is quite popular at the moment in Zhejiang province of what we call it, Luozi Gunyan, translated into English as a, a nice girl from Wuch. Then a lot of local business people try to reach Chinese market with their own local products, especially in agriculture. So I believe that it's an interesting platform that might in the future bring more benefits to our local business people. However, at the moment, we still are working very hard to find uh, the benefits. Then the key question is whether the cooperation at the local level might limit the, de- the trade deficit between China and Poland. At the moment, the deficit is approximately 1 to 12 or 13. So. Definitely, the deficit, the trade deficit is growing. So we need to have more cooperation at the local level and first our Chinese partners to take our goods from each local community. Then the second issue is that Polish local governments should not act on a bilateral level with Chinese provinces. How should they be involved in the process? This is a key question. And what we are trying to persuade the local governments in our city, that they try to use EU-China platform. EU has a strong pillar when it comes to the cooperation between EU and China. So that is why the Polish local governments should use this channel, for example, through Committee of Regions, through EU-China urban connectivity platform, and so on and so forth. Because otherwise, our voice will not be heard in China. That's all really interesting, and I think that gives us a pretty good understanding of what can local-level cooperation mean for China's partners within the Belt and Road framework. But let's turn the tables around and let's talk about the Chinese local actors. And this brings us to your research, of course, on China's para-diplomacy. So can you explain to us very briefly what the para-diplomacy is? And also, how is it relevant for the Belt and Road Initiative? Paradiplomacy was firstly sponsored by Ivo Duhacek in 1980s when he observed the American and Canadian states' international operations. Definitely paradiplomacy means the local government's involvement in foreign policy and to a certain extent their own actions taken uh, when it comes to foreign affairs. When it comes to China, and my observation here is that Berlin Road is nothing new in a sense that this project is a kind of continuation of Go Global, and provinces from this perspective serve as an agent of central government in Beijing. In other words, the central government needs provinces for uh, developing regional economies and social affairs. And from this perspective, this paradiplomatical channel, subnational channel is important when it comes to China's domestic development. Uh, different provinces, the different autonomous regions and different municipalities uh, have different takes on Berlin Road. If you talk to people in Sichuan, they will say, we'd like to be uh, a vanguard. We'd like to be number one. 
the similar story more or less in is in Guangdong. But if you go to Anhui province or even Heilongjiang, and if you see all documents published on Belt and Road, these provinces are not very eager to do anything under Belt and Road umbrella. And even if you see the document published by Minister of Foreign Affairs, NDRC, and Minister of Finances in 2015, some provinces are uh, missed from Belt and Road Initiative. For example, Jiangsu province. And to my great surprise, this province is not a part of Belt and Road. However, all provinces should be taken into consideration when we talk about Belt and Road, but Jiangsu is not there. On the other hand, that's what I've learned in Guangdong, China's local authorities might play a role when the central government has problems with other central governments. In other words, when um, Sino-American crisis appears, then the role of local governments is to build so-called channels for communications with local governments on other side. And this is really visible when we see what was done by Sichuan this year. Sichuan was a host of Sino-American Governor Summit or Forum. And this is a really important channel for China to keep their relations with especially the United States at the moment in a quite a good shape. So just to sum up, local governments under Belden Road umbrella has double responsibilities. First is to keep the local economy growth alive, mainly via export. And the second, uh, in times of crisis, play not a very decisive role, but be part of building channels for communications with countries like the United States, uh, when some tensions appear, China might use this channel for building bridges and communication. Thank you. Those are really interesting points that you don't hear very often. So which provinces do you think are currently most active when it comes to cooperating with Europe under the Belt and Road Initiative? Can you maybe share with us any stories about your cooperation with Chinese provinces under the Belt and Road? Well, the first important issue here is what is the area of cooperation? If we talk about high tech, if we talk about IT industry, definitely Guangdong and Sichuan. Two provinces are really important when it comes to the future IT development in mainland China. And what I've learned from Chinese reports from Sichuan province, Sichuan would like to be the IT hub in the future. Then when it comes to logistic cooperation, definitely Western China, definitely Sichuan, and you can easily find it in a local government report delivered by governors in front of the local People's Congress. Sichuan, when it comes to logistics, and also Heilongjiang, I think we should not forget about Dongbei. Then Ningbo, a 16 plus one platform is a huge opportunity for Zhejiang province itself to be a kind of trade hub when it comes to the European goods and trade with European 16 countries in Central Europe, but also with European Union as a whole. So definitely, I would say that it, it's really dependent on the area of cooperation. So just to sum up briefly, Guangdong, when it comes to IT, because of Shenzhen, for example, Sichuan because of IT and logistic, Heilongjiang also logistic, and then Ningbo trade. So to certain extent, it reflects the traditional role of Chinese provinces in China's economy. 
So from this perspective, we might see certain set of division of labor among Chinese provinces when it comes to China's foreign policy, especially when it comes to cooperation in economy, trade and investments. Uh, definitely, if you see the investment in Africa, for example, majority of investments are really sponsored by provinces, by state-owned enterprises, in a sense that they are sponsored by the local governments. And Guangdong might be an interesting part of the story when it comes to infrastructural investments. And I remember quite funny story when we had the delegation from all across sister cities in my city, Wuch, a couple of years ago, there was delegations from uh, our sister cities, Tianjin, Sichuan, Chengdu, and Guangzhou. Then uh, the first delegate from Guangzhou during a toast, he said that Guangdong province is the most important province in China, of course, is a, a vanguard of reform since 1978. And then Guangdong province itself and companies from Guangdong province are interested in building a stadium, a football stadium in my city. Then people ask themselves, What's going on? Guangdong, that is very important when it comes to trade and investment and IT, hope to build a stadium. And now, when I'm doing a research on the local government's rules in Belden Road or under Belden Road umbrella, I realized that all these infrastructure projects were written in, uh, in governor reports uh, delivered in front of local people's congresses. So in other words, building a football stadium was partly between lines written in party reports at the local level because of the infrastructure projects that Guangdong hoped to have. Guangdong, when it comes to external policy, is interested in delivering two issues. IT industry, we need to have more cooperation, they said, and infrastructure projects. So this is really about building football stadiums. So from this perspective, we should not be surprised that Guangdong will go out with infrastructure projects. So my message here is quite a clear cut. We need to focus more on local government's involvement in Belt and Road initiative. We should more focus on what's going on to a certain extent under the table in China how provinces adapt to the new reality, what kind of role they might play in the future, and to what extent we might win the cooperation with China through the local channel. Winning cooperation with China through local channels sounds very appealing, but when working with China, even many national authorities face a question of how to cooperate with a partner as big. How can this be tackled by even smaller actors, such as local authorities? Can you give us any concrete advice basing on your research and your experience? The first important issue is that not even local governments, but states from Europe, that, that's of course my perspective, should concentrate on the cooperation with smaller bodies in China, namely provinces. So from the country like Poland, I believe that it would be good to have three provinces as a key players, as a key partners in China. Sichuan is a very natural choice at the moment. But when it comes to develop artificial intelligence, you need to go to Guangdong. 
Guangdong that in the future might be a very powerful place when it comes to high-tech and IT industry. When you'd like to cope with mining industry, you need to go to the central China. Then if you place sister city cooperation as a part of the big picture, so to such an extent, there should be a quite close cooperation between central government and local governments in each country. Not China, of course, but in European countries. So once local governments see the possibility of cooperation in Western China, central government should help. On the other hand, when central government sees the cooperation uh, in southern China possible, local governments to a certain extent should follow. So from this perspective, the policy towards China should be well coordinated at national level. So what I'd like you to understand is that from the domestic perspective, Belt and Road is an important vehicle for governing and managing local authorities. And we should more focus on the domestic arena in China than the external policy. Of course, we all know the tensions between America and China, but we also should remember that any kind of foreign affairs, any kind of foreign policy is the extent of domestic affairs. Dominique, thank you very much for these fascinating insights into the world of local level cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative. Thank you for showing us this different perspective. Well, thank you, Greg. It was a pleasure. this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.